Hello, everyone. My name is Rick Napier, the founder and CEO of Real People USA. And it is a delight to have Dr. Colleen Huber uh, on today. And uh, she's going to talk about something that has happened uh, with her uh, practice down in Tempe, Arizona. So we'll let Dr. Huber just get right into it. First, she will introduce herself and her background. So good morning, Dr. Huber. How are you? Good morning, Rick. It's a pleasure to be uh, talking to you again. I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. I think things are getting better now that we're learning more and more about this uh, this uh, uh, manufactured crisis that we've been under since uh, like a year and a half now. And uh, now we're starting to learn things every day, you know. So, but I want you to, I want you, if you can, just to give a brief background on yourself and then you can get started with what you want to talk about, which I think everyone needs to hear. So please take it away. Thank you. Uh, Well, I am a naturopathic medical doctor in Tempe, Arizona. And that may seem to be a contradiction in terms because people think of medical doctor as uh, practicing conventional medicine. And I am not a medical doctor, but I'm a naturopathic medical doctor. That is from a different different medical schools with different degrees. Um, so we, the the major difference is that we have twice as many classroom hours and twice as many courses in medical schools as the medical doctors. So our curriculum is um, there's twice as much to it. On the other hand, uh, we do four years just as they do. So what they're doing uh, during those last two years mostly is on rotation with many thousands of patients. So they see many thousands of patients more than nature classic medical students. Uh, we see probably about 700 by the time we graduate, 700 to 1,000. Uh, that is different patient encounters. And so uh, medical doctors have the opportunity to see a lot more different kinds of diseases during their medical training, and we get a lot more classroom hours. All right, so, uh, but what is unique about naturopathic medicine is that we've studied all of conventional medicine, you know, the pharmacology, microbiology, pathology, um, everybody system, cardiology, pulmonology, neurology, uh, gastroenterology, pediatrics, geriatrics, obstetrics, gynecology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so pretty much the whole body, but we've had uh, courses in those, and a lot of those are not taught as courses in conventional medical school. Most people don't realize that, but a lot of medical doctors, uh, the standard medical curriculum is they pick that up on rotation, you know, on the fly, um, you know, just following around the senior doctor and learning from that person. Uh, but we also get the didactic and the academic. Okay, so enough about our curriculum, right? And then, um, so I've, I've been practicing naturopathic, medical, uh, naturopathic medicine licensed by the state of Arizona for the last 14, nearly 15 years uh, here in Tempe, Arizona, same clinic. Um, my clinic is Nature Works Best. It's a cancer clinic. And uh, that is the source of the uh, problem that you and I are probably going to spend most time today talking about. And that is that I've been offering alternative treatments to chemotherapy for cancer patients. Now, you would think that, uh, yeah, wow, that, that's pretty good that to have an alternative to chemotherapy in case you don't want chemotherapy before, after a cancer diagnosis. A lot of people don't. And um, you would think that there would be nothing wrong with that. You would think that the naturopathic profession as a whole would be very happy that we are able to proudly offer this and that we're, you know, kind of unique in, in doing this. 
Now, because the medical doctors tend not to offer it, and either, and and not even other um, natural health professionals tend to offer natural treatments for cancer. And uh, you know, chiropractors, acupuncturists tend not to offer that. Uh, what I'm talking about are intravenous nutrients, nutrients chosen for their effect against cancer. Um, so you would think that the naturopathic profession would be very happy about that. However, a lot of naturopathic physicians because we do not generally get a lot of insurance reimbursement. You know, our insurance reimbursement from the big insurance, health insurance companies is a trickle compared to for conventional medicine. So that has financially forced a lot of naturopaths to get in cozy and comfortable with conventional medicine and uh, medical doctors whom they work with uh, in the same offices. Well, that has kind of put the kibosh or uh, had a suppressive effect on uh, natural treatments, you know, because if the medical doctor is not comfortable with it, then he's probably not going to want the uh, person he's sharing office space with to be practicing anything that's way outside of his scope of practice, scope of knowledge, scope of clinical education. Okay, so... Here I am with my own clinic, and I'm offering intravenous nutrients for cancer patients, and they're accepting that as alternative chemotherapy where they don't do any chemotherapy. Needless to say, I have a lot of oncologists in the area who say, ah, Huber, she's still there? She's still doing that? <laughs> they're not very happy with me offering this. I mean, if they stop to add up probably the millions of dollars that did not get spent on chemotherapy over the last 14 years that I have my clinic, they would probably get even angrier if they stop to add that up. But I don't think they should look at this as a personal loss, but rather as a patient being empowered, empowered to take matters into their hands regarding their own health and make a choice. You know, those who want chemotherapy, I, I don't stop them at all. I've never said, oh, I won't treat you if you choose chemotherapy. I won't have anything to do with you. I've never said that to a patient. I've always respected their choices. So the people who want chemotherapy are going to go get it. And the people who don't want it will seek out, you know, clinics like mine. Well, that has sort of angered the more conventionally minded naturopathic physicians on the Arizona Naturopath Medical Board. For the last three years, that medical board has conducted a targeted harassment campaign against me, um, trying to look for this or that little frivolous thing. It began with a board member um, who considers himself, uh, you know, a competitor of mine a very fierce competitor, um, he actually filed a complaint against me because he said he didn't like my website and um, he didn't like an advertisement that I had written for uh, new uh, naturopathic physicians during my clinic. And so he filed a complaint, but he had nothing, he had nothing to base it on. There was nothing on my website that they could say was false. I mean, it was all verifiable and true. So uh, I didn't. They didn't say take down this or that from your website, and I didn't. I mean, there was nothing to take down. There was nothing untrue on my website, natureworksbest.com. Uh, it was all. It was all verifiable. It's all been uh, triple checked and audited, and all those results are. You know, we pretty much are very transparent about everything, and uh, on, in a long, long document. Uh, with 64 citations, you know, to the medical literature. Uh, people can, you know, look and verify for themselves. Okay, so that case got dismissed. But that was just the beginning of a three-year harassment campaign. Um, the most recent um, event was 
that the board said, uh, we're going to look very carefully at your chart notes. And so at medical chart notes of patients. Well, there's a little problem with that because I have a privacy contract with patients, you know, and that is I will not violate your privacy except under three conditions. One is if you ask me to send your medical records to so-and-so, I will do so at your request. Two, if you uh, have an emergency and need 911, we're going to get the information to 911 and get you there right away. And three, if you threaten to commit homicide or suicide, uh, then we better alert somebody. Okay, so those are the only three conditions, and that's my contract with my patient. Therefore, what do I do when the medical board says, oh, give us chart notes? Now, um, let me back up a little bit. Have you heard of uh, Dr. Lee, a dentist who uh, was really a renegade for um, not doing amalgam filling and wanting to do composites instead? Yes, I have. Yes. Yeah. Well, they his medical his dental board wanted to take away his license, but they had nothing because all they had looking at them were satisfied patients who loved Dr. Lee for giving them an alternative to amalgam. So what did they do? They went after him on the basis of chart notes. They said, oh, let's pick apart and nitpick your chart notes. Well, it came down to the day that Dr. Lee was getting, going to have his license revoked. He showed up with many of his patients and they showed up to the board and they said, don't do this. You know, uh, we are grateful for Dr. Lee's uh, providing an alternative to amalgam mercury filling, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, the board backed down and Dr. Lee kept his license. Well, you know, so this time around, um, uh, several months ago, the board says, oh, give us, give us five patient chart notes. And I think, uh-oh, I got a contract with these patients. I'm not going to be divulging their private medical information just because these, you know, bureaucrats want to try to find an excuse to attack me. So I erased every bit of private information, names, address, phone numbers, even uh, date of birth, lab, for, uh, excuse me, lab ID numbers you know, the, of uh, any kind of lab. So um, so that person would be totally untraceable. And all that was left was, uh, oh, came in today and uh, had a headache last week and then I uh, decided it was due to this or that. You know, that kind of information where it could never be traced to a specific individual. All right, well then, fast forward. They get hundreds of pages like that for me, right? Okay, and then a patient says to me, Hey, I'm really frustrated that whenever I try to meet with you or this other doctor, you know, you're always out at the day that's best for me to get here. And why is that? I said, oh, that's because on that particular day of the week is when the board wants to harass this other doctor or me over these chart notes. And, you know, they're just conducting this unethical and likely illegal harassment campaign against me on that basis. She said, hey, wait a minute, I don't like that. And I said, don't worry, we get rid of all the private patient information. You know, even your date of birth, everything, so they can't trace back to you. She said, I'm still not okay with that. Those are my medical records, and they are being used for wrong purposes. I said, oh, my God. And the light bulb went off in my head, and I said, wow, you know, this is so true. They are violating the Fourth Amendment to the United States Constitution, which prohibits unreasonable search and seizure. So I said, yeah, I agree with you. All right, so we got so fired up. Uh, we started a um, 
exhibition and she was like really eager for that uh, you know and so were all it turned out a lot of others the uh, patients were taking the clipboard of the petition away from us and handing it to each other like here read this and sign it and basically you know you saw the petition it said don't take our medical records to try to abuse these doctors what are you thinking uh, those are our medical records you know not yours and then i sent a memo with that to the board i said look you are violating the uh fourth amendment of the united states constitution with unreasonable search procedure but not only that you're accusing me of writing improper medical records that you want to uh edit somehow i said you have zero editorial authority over my chart notes on the basis of first amendment i'm invoking the first amendment the united states constitution that i determine what I write. If I allowed you to put words in my mouth or to take words away from me, then I am giving up my right to free speech. You know, uh, people think we're given the right of free speech by the Bill of Rights. No, we were born with it. Okay, these rights are ours. They are simply recognized by the United States Constitution and Bill of Rights. That was my position. In other words, if it is enough for me as a human being to assert the right to speak freely, and and uh you know therefore that is enough for me to have that right that's that's my position that's the position i took on the board i said this determination is final you're never going to take this away from me this is my bulwark my line in the sand you're not going to cross it and um you know that was uh that was a little over a month ago i sent them that memo it was the end of june here we are in early august and um they haven't taken action so, I don't know. I think it's too early for me to declare victory because, you know, that's only like, what, six weeks or so. Mm -hmm. So here's my question. Do you think your, your, this, this assault on your, on your free speech and your patient's right to, to privacy, do you think their recent, or their, I guess it started three years ago, but their recent assault has any, anything to do with your your stance on the ongoing like COVID crisis? Do you think someone, you know, perhaps tapped them on the shoulder and said, "Look, we don't like her. Go get go get her on anything you can." Oh yes, that's true. That's the part I left out. That um, their harassment campaign has really accelerated in intensity uh, right up until the time that we submitted that petition to them. And uh, yeah, it was really accelerating. So they were trying to get me on anything. They were trying to, you know, uh, talk about me uh, every single meeting, every month at the board, or almost every month. Either me or this other doctor who they tried to drag into it. Uh, yeah, so it had really accelerated in intensity. And I, yes, I do think it was because of that. Because um, you and I were talking in, um, in the past about uh, the research that my research team and I, consisting of an epidemiologist and a microbiologist and myself, um, did on the hazards of wearing masks. And we found that masks injure brain, heart, lungs, immune system, and kidneys. And um, not only that, but they are completely ineffective against viruses, so much so that mass populations tend to have more COVID, not less, than unmasked populations. So we found that. we um, It's peer-reviewed. It's published. Um, and uh, sure, there are people who don't like that because uh, masking uh, was very... Um, uh, uh, it was almost a holy sacrament for a lot of people over the last year, you know? Exactly. I don't I, have you seen I don't say anything holy about it, but people treat it that way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Have you seen this video that's out of Jerusalem? 
and these these this doctor is being interviewed by this uh, TV journalist in Jerusalem, and the doctor is pretty much saying that the majority of patients now coming into the hospital for severe illnesses are because they are vaccinated and they're getting they're becoming ill from other vaccinated people. Have you seen that video? That particular video I haven't seen, but that is the reason that journalist Alex Berenson uh, got uh, suspended from Twitter for the last seven days. Uh, I think he's supposed to get back on there today or something. But uh, yeah, he was he was talking about the same Israeli data that uh, the vaccines are not only failing, but uh, it's the um, sick people who have been vaccinated, the hospitalized mm-hmm. people. Yes. Yeah, and it's also saying the also report it was it was in Hebrew. But, but it was like titles at the bottom. It was in the doctor uh, in Jerusalem was basically saying that this this uh, this this jab, this mRNA has a short shelf life. In other words, once a person receives a jab, it, the, 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 the effects wanes after about the six month period. And they're, they're recommending that people get a second shot, like a booster shot. Isn't that isn't that just crazy? Oh, that is very crazy. But I would say uh, the intended effect wanes, but I am not so sure that the, the people who receive the jab are no longer making spike proteins. In other words, yeah, I, in other words, I don't think they have any protection against SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19, even after some weeks, some weeks that starts to go down, especially in seniors. You know, the population they've most intended to protect, you know, the seniors, it seems that they are um, losing the effectiveness very quickly. However, um, spike proteins are still uh, being shed uh, by people, I think, because Pfizer admitted that after being vaccinated, that people are shedding spike proteins by exhaling and by skin contact. And, uh, you know, there are so many people who are reporting secondary effects of COVID vaccination, like they never will get the vaccine themselves. But they're, if they're around the COVID vaccinated for a little while, they start to feel ill in a number of ways, you know. And particularly, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen a lot with women with excessive, heavy menstruation, abnormally heavy, and, and even postmenopausal women who start uh, cramping and bleeding again. So um, that has been reported uh, widely, but of course, uh, really smashed down every time it appears by like Facebook or Twitter, you know. I think Naomi Wolf was taking it off Twitter because she was talking about that. I mean, she was gathering data from women, you know. Can you explain to, to listeners who may be unfamiliar with the, with the, with the term or the, or the phrase spike protein? What is a spike protein? Oh, yes. Uh, so the uh, coronavirus, which has all the little pegs sort of sticking out of it, each of those pegs is a spike protein. And it's, uh, that is the uh, little piece of the coronavirus that connects with a human cell to be able to enter, replicate. And, you know, if it replicates enough, make you sick with flu-like symptoms. Um, so that then you get the COVID disease from that. But it starts with that spike protein that's sticking out of the coronavirus and connecting or attaching to the ACE2 receptor on the human cell. And so uh, what did uh, the geniuses over at Pfizer and Moderna say? They said, let's uh, make the vaccinated person produce all kinds of spike proteins um, on their own. And how do they do that? By having mRNA 
an mRNA um, in the in a lipid envelope, so fatty envelope to be able to get into the cell, and the mRNA instructs the cells, the genetic machinery of our cells, to keep making spike protein. So now you're not just receiving spike protein from the outside. No, you become a spike protein creating factory if you've had the COVID shots. And so that is so awful, and so so um, potentially dangerous. You know, such very high risk. There is no known turnoff switch. I mean, will the will the cells ever stop making spike proteins? I know that uh, uh, there are so people. So basically, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead, Doctor. Oh well, there are, there are people in the vicinity of COVID vaccinated people even months after the COVID vaccine happened, where these symptoms are occurring, and it's not just females. Um, you know, of, of the uh, people that we have information about, um, the youngest I know of is a four-year-old boy, uh, very healthy. Um, never had a seizure, and then he was around his COVID-vaccinated grandparents for a few hours, and he had a seizure, first time. Oh. So he's the youngest and the um, one of the relatively fewer males who I know about who are having this. But actually, males are not spared this. Um, uh, you know, the damaging effects of COVID vaccine. Uh, we know about the primary effects of uh, COVID-vaccinated young male athletes uh, have had. Um, really horrendous uh, side effects uh, as far as heart damage. I actually did some research on that recently. Wow. So in other words, these people are armed and dangerous. I mean, literally not, not, you know, normally people would use that phrase in a sort of, um, uh, uh, sort of uh, figuratively speaking. But what you're saying is that these people who have received the vaccine potentially are walking, Are like walking assault weapons in, in a sense. Yeah, I have seen I have seen patients who were touched by COVID vaccinated people, and they developed uh, petechiae and perforate all over, you know, bruises right in the area of the handprint of the COVID vaccinated person. I know of a massage therapist who uh, stopped working because when she was doing uh, massage and muscles, uh, deep tissue massage on a COVID vaccinated person, her hands burned afterwards. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Okay. We have uh, women who have been in menopause uh, six and a half, seven years who started cramping and spotting again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have uh, a man who um, shook hands just briefly with uh, COVID-vaccinated couples. And the couple had just come from uh, getting their COVID shots to get those bandaids on their arms. And he shook hands with them. And then they parted and went separate ways. They didn't talk long. He immediately got sick and was in bed with flu-like symptoms for two and a half days, couldn't get up. But wow. like I say, most of the victims seems that I'm aware of, the secondary effects seem to be female. And then, of course, because this is not talked about in the media or social, it's not allowed on social media, um, then people probably don't even know why they're not feeling well. I, I mean, many other people say, gee, I, I just haven't been myself lately and I've had a lot of, you know, this or that symptom and I don't know why. Um, and they don't know that maybe it's because family members, spouses got the shot and now they're feeling poorly. So what do you think about? uh, Yeah, go ahead. 
So what do you think about, I mean, so how I, how I understand this vaccination process and the, uh, the, M, the mRNA is that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the people who get vaccinated, their original God-given immune system is shut down and replaced by this, by this new uh, manufactured <laughs> uh, immune system. And so what, why, would, why would we think that a vaccinated person can easily uh, uh, infect another vaccinated person? Do you, can you explain how that could happen? Yes, well, I don't think it's the infection with the actual microbe. I don't think it's the infection with the coronavirus. But here's what Pfizer admitted to. It was way down on page 67 of the document they gave to the FDA. But Pfizer admitted to this, that it's the spike protein itself which is being exhaled and, and given us by skin contact from somebody who's been vaccinated with COVID is because that mRNA uh, vaccine taught the vaccinated person's body and cells to keep making the spike protein. Don't just make mm -hmm. it once and then give up. No, this is to just keep generating the spike protein. It's almost like it's generating the munitions for one side of a war inside that oh vaccine gosh. person's body. Yeah, so so they're reacting against these spike proteins. They're making the spike proteins. They're reacting against it. I mean, it is it's just the most absurd thing. It's the most a really reckless thing I think a person can do with their health. Of all common reckless things to do, I mean, getting drunk, putting a blindfold on and taking a motorcycle on the highway, uh, not that I would recommend that, but I mean, getting vaccinated with COVID is right up there with crazy. I mean, something that you do not want to do. So these people, in, in yeah. a sense, are weaponized. Yeah, they're weaponized mostly against themselves, but uh, because... You know, I mean, they're really, look, all of the animals in the animal studies died several months after the mRNA vaccine. And that's not talked about on the media. It's not allowed on social media. Anybody mentions it, it's going to get kicked off. So uh, the vast majority, you know, succumb to these social pressures, family pressures, media pressures. Like, gee, I better get vaccinated. I'm one of the only ones that didn't. I guess I better get myself over to the drugstore and have them jab me. And then, you know, this is something that can never be uninjected. Who knows what the long-term consequences are? Who knows if this is these consequences are for life? But I think in the paper that I did recently on the damage to the heart, I think I can prove that this damage is for life. Wow, wow. Yeah, so I mean, so basically, I mean, my t my understanding is that I mean, like you said, once you've taken a vaccine, your old immune system it now is like oh, yeah. second class. I mean, not second class, but like this, the like not even the first level of your protection. It's maybe second or third, or or is it totally wiped out? Oh yes, no. I, I'm sorry, I didn't get back to you about that. Yes. I think you're right about that, that it's kind of like um, it gets shoved aside and it becomes uh, less effective. Bill uh, Bigtree, you know, the higher wire, he he had uh, last week of this uh, uh, part of the clip was the, um, it, he likened it to football where, let's see, ooh, I'm not good enough about football to really be able to use any vocabulary. Uh, sorry about that. I know nothing about football. Let me put it that way. <laughs> but he was saying that, you know, okay, you have generalized antibodies that would just go out 
after anything. And generalized um, white blood cells that would just attack uh, um, anything that uh, was roaming around, and it was, they were non-specific. However, those have been converted over to specific antibodies. The specific antibodies are looking for precisely the one, you know, kind of variant of COVID that this was designed for. But you have another variant coming along, and the white, the blood cells, the soldiers of your immune system, you know, uh, are just antibodies are not properly prepared anymore because they've been over specialized. They got over specialized mm -hmm. to looking for, you know, an earlier variant of COVID. Now, Delta comes along. Oh, and what is happening? The vaccinated people get slammed. Now, why don't we know that? Here's why. The, um, the, the media has been so deceptive. That remember a couple of weeks ago, they said, oh, the hospitals are just overflowing with these unvaccinated people who are sick. They used that term improperly. What they were saying, they were calling anybody unvaccinated who it was less than two weeks since their second dose. So in other words, a person could have been dosed twice for COVID, the last dose was less than two weeks ago, and they're still calling them unvaccinated. But the problem is, those ah, people got really sick. The vaccine, yes, see how evil this is? This is so insidious. It's crazy. <sighs> oh my goodness. So my, my well, next question I have for you is, um, yeah. Dr. Stella Emanuel, she was one, oh, of the, yeah. one of the group of doctors with front, American Frontline Doctors. Uh, like Very Texas memorable. and California, uh, you know, coalition of doctors who promoted yeah. alternative uh, prophylactics for people who had, had to uh, stop COVID from even coming through the front door. She recently yeah. is filing a lawsuit against uh, CNN and maybe some others because after the election, all these, uh, you know, haters of, of um, hydroxychloroquine are now saying, oh, maybe it does work. Maybe it does have some efficacy. So what are your thoughts about, I mean, I mean, Dr. Stella Emanuel being, um, uh, how can I say it? How she, She's now been um, vindicated. Uh, yeah, vindicated. That's the word I was looking for. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, she was the most memorable, most inspiring of the frontline doctors at that first uh, White Coat Summit that they had in front of the, uh, mm -hmm. was it Supreme Court or the Capitol? Anyway, well, US Supreme were, Court. yes. Oh, right. And uh, yes, very, very inspiring uh, talk. And it really opened the world's eyes to uh, the, the use of hydroxychloroquine as, as an easy, uh, you know, low cost way to treat COVID. Okay, so yeah, now she's vindicated. And uh, this lawsuit that she filed, I hope she gets every single penny because she's absolutely right. You know, they tried to detain her. They tried to defend her. They tried to make a ridiculously prejudiced remarks of, oh, well, there are people in her country of uh, her native country who have this particular uh, religious belief. So therefore, we're going to dismiss her because of that. Uh, I mean, yeah, they basically you know. labeled, her, labeled her as a, a quack doctor. And it, it was actually kind of racist because she's from Nigeria, I believe. Uh, I think she's either from yeah, Nigeria, Nigeria or, yeah. And uh, so they're basically basically saying in a, in a sort of a, uh, a, 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 a slimy way that, oh, you're from Nigeria. And, you know, since Nigeria is not, you know, like a like a like a U.S. or like a first world country, we're not going to accept your 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 recommendations to uh, cure people 
from this this worldwide pandemic uh, called uh, COVID-19. And and she owns, I think she owns a practice in Houston. And she basically said she's been using hydroxychloroquine for years, not just in, in Africa and Nigeria, but she's been using it here. And she said that she had hundreds of patients uh, that she has treated successfully and hasn't lost not one patient uh, to COVID and uh, using right. hydroxychloroquine. Yes. No, I, I think you're 100% right. And she is backed up by now hundreds and hundreds of studies coming from all over the world. You know, pretty much every continent except Antarctica, is, there is verification that hydroxychloroquine, um, you know, especially used early, but even used late. I've seen a miraculous case of it being used very late, I can tell you about. But anyway, yes, when you use that together with zinc and um, and uh, Dr. Zelenko likes to add a Z-pack to that. Uh, anyway, I think these doctors have been the heroes of the COVID era. I, they deserve Nobel Prizes for showing the world how to deal with this pandemic. And, um, you know, I, I think it's wonderful what she did. And the, the dismissal of, oh, we're not going to listen to anybody who uh, got their medical training in Africa. What? I mean, oh, my goodness. We could talk about all yeah, kinds of... people don't know that Africa is a huge continent. It's matter of fact, you can put... I saw a graphic that you could put like three or four or maybe five uh, land masses of the United States. Uh, uh, you know, in Europe, uh, several countries. So Africa is a huge continent. I mean, it's one. It's the biggest continent of them all. So that was pretty much, in my opinion, slam on on doctors from that are not from the U.S. Doctor Hoover, here's my last question. Of course, I, I sent you that lawsuit uh, filed by these. I think these doctors are in somewhere. I mean, now these attorneys are somewhere in the Midwest. It's lens-law.com. L-E-N-Z.com. Oh, yeah. And the lawsuit contends. Uh, that there are, I mean, this whole thing has been such a hoax. Everything from the PCR test to the lies that Fauci told. And they also claim that as many or or for like 45,000 people have have died from these COVID vaccines. And they say the number could be higher. Your thoughts about this uh, lawsuit? Yes. Uh, I, I think that's a very important thing to pursue. It's very hard to know. And one reason it's really hard to know how many people have died is that, um, you know, the CDC is not uh, known for honesty. And that is becoming more and more apparent all the time. Not only that, they make it extremely difficult for doctors to report. Bugly to report even one death from COVID, a doctor must spend about on the order of an hour. Not only that, the doctor has to check boxes say, I swear that I will be willing to walk right into a jail cell if I am caught lying. Well, that's such a deterrent because suppose somebody alleges, well, this doctor lied, that person, and didn't die of the COVID vaccine, they died of the, the uh, you know, something else. Uh, okay, I mean, just to have to, you know, this is a very strong deterrent against uh, the reporting of the real number of deaths. So. Um, you know, it's got to be made uh, more straightforward for doctors to be able to report that uh, from the COVID shot. And for that reason, um, 
nurses uh, are reporting on social media that, hey, I told the doctor that every single person in here uh, had just received the COVID shot and they're really doing poorly and they got the COVID shot and the doctor doesn't want to hear it. The doctor doesn't want to hear it at all. So, yeah. I mean, so the, in other words, even the 45,000 number uh, might be underestimated, but I have a kind of a bad feeling, and that is that this coming winter, when, you know, the thing that you were talking about, how uh, the immune system really gets detoured, distracted, and uh, ineffective um, after the COVID shot, I just mm-hmm. worry that some of these predictions might come true uh, this winter about people who got that shot and are going to face a respiratory illness and the bodies will go haywire. Um, so I just hope it's not uh, a really, really bad situation. That's yeah, just fun. in closing, I I, uh, I know the conspiracy theorists that were talking about this a year ago or a year and a half ago. It seems like just about everything people or the or the naysayers were labeling as conspiracy theorists theories have come true i mean i yep. hate to say it but it, it oh yeah know, these things have come true now we've been correct all along i not one thing that you and i have said has turned out to be wrong or disproven of all the things you and i and i have talked about you know over the last year of everything that's been going on I, yeah and, and people have been coming around to realize that we've been correct the whole time well, i tell you what, here locally, I heard that there's a, uh, a big protest at one of the, the, the largest medical uh, facilities and, you know, health centers in California, and that's Kaiser. And uh, Kaiser in Roseville, which is so... Uh-oh, I can't hear you. Kaiser Wait, say it again? Roseville. There's going to be a huge protest at the Kaiser Permanente a facility in Roseville, California, Monday at, I think, like 1130. Oh, good. You know, I mean, uh, you mean about the healthcare workers refusing to get vaccinated? It's it's going to be part that because uh, your insider there at Kaiser Roseville said that 65% of the ability to not want to take the vaccine. Be, I, mean, yeah. I mean, here's my thing. If... If you work in the healthcare uh, healthcare industry and you are using to take the vaccine, why is that? Is that because you have intellectual knowledge about vaccines, or is it because you are, you are seeing something firsthand? The person that works in the facility. Yes. That's a, that's a, such a good question. I mean, outside of the, you know, 40%, 40% of Cleveland Clinic uh, doctors and nurses refuse the vaccine. And, you know, Cleveland Clinic is uh, very highly regarded. Uh, Banner Health is the 800-pound gorilla here in the Phoenix area of healthcare. And um, there was a big protest outside of Banner by the nurses and doctors the other day refusing to take the jab. Supposedly, 60-plus percent of them are refusing it. Um, okay, so I think they've been witness to some things that they just don't want to participate in in their own bodies, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like if I, was, if, if I was a car mechanic and I saw a brand of a car always coming into my shop. And uh, yeah. so I'm, I'm off of work and someone says, hey, Rick, should I get brand, should I get brand A car? 
I would say, oh, no, don't get that car because I see that car into my shop so so often. That's how right. that's what I think these these medical professionals, these people that work in these facilities are saying. Uh, there was also uh, some talk and it hasn't been verified, but I'll just say this is what I heard that when people see ambulance, uh, you know, vehicles moving down the, you know, the road or the highway, there's a increase of people being taken to the hospital in the in these ambulances and the media is not talking about it because of yep. covid because of the covid yep. vaccine exactly so, but, but i'll oh, tell you what and, dr huber go ahead wait can we can we do one more item i put my latest yeah. article on uh substack this morning and it's a little bit of peripheral issue but not totally uh racism coming from the left and that is mayor bill de blasio new york city says that um you know if you're unvaccinated do not walk into the restaurant okay now you got a differential in new york city i looked it up 38% of African-Americans are, uh, no, wait a minute. Yeah, 38% of African-American people have taken the vaccine, but 53% of white people have taken the vaccine. That differential of 14%, and I wrote that is a nasty uh, Jim Crow uh, ratio uh, that's going to, um, that's not going to go over well. And I really hope that people protest very strenuously against it. I mean, you know, he's like basically introducing an apartheid right there, uh, not just with vaccinated versus unvaccinated, but the, the, the difference in the uptake is stark. Like, for example, I believe over 60% of Asian Americans have taken the vaccine, the highest group by far, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, neither black nor Latinos have been uh, terribly impressed with the vaccine. And I think it's not lost on people that Hank Aaron lost his life just uh, a couple of weeks after he took the vaccine. And then another thing that I put in that article was the Major League Baseball All-Star Game was supposed to be in Atlanta. Okay. And then they moved it to Denver. So one, they also, it was supposed to be a tribute to the life of the one of the greatest sports uh you know, athletes of all times, and that was St. Karen, right? And so, mm-hmm. but, okay, so that kind of got forgotten about and swept away. And, you know, so there was, that was one, I feel, insult to the black community. And then the second one, taking that tourist business, sports fan tourism business away from, you know, um, black-owned enterprises in Atlanta, taking it to a mostly white city, Denver, right? And then the third... Yeah. Um, well, there was a third thing. Oh, yes, because the pretext for it was that, well, you see, it's racist to have photo ID because somehow black people cannot acquire photo ID. So that was like a triple slap, I wrote. And then, oh, and then another thing. Here's another example of racism coming from the left. Okay, I don't think it's so innocent and benign that the Cleveland Indians are now the Cleveland Guardians. Here's why. The Cleveland Indians acquired the name from Louis Sokolexis. Now, Mr. Sokolexis was the first Native American Major League Baseball player ever. And because of that, the Cleveland Indians were named to honor him for that. Okay, that's Mm -hmm. been taken away. You know what I mean? And all this is under the name of, uh, you know, woke uh, leftist um, action. Well, I'll tell you what, when you talk about the, uh, the, the the vaccination cards, here's another twist to that. Okay, so now you need in some cities like maybe Los Angeles, New York, and maybe San Francisco, you need the vaccination card to enter a restaurant, but you don't need a, an ID to vote. <laughs> How yeah. about that twist? 
Oh, yes. Yeah, that, I mean, it's just <sighs> living in crazy world now. Well, I'll tell you what, do you have any closing comments as we wrap up this episode? Uh, no, um, that was pretty much it. Oh, except I do have that article out there that I think I proved that the COVID vaccine damages the heart permanently of everybody who takes it. So nobody should take it because uh, the heart tissue does not regenerate. I mean, once it's once it's killed, that's it. And it doesn't regenerate. And that's why, you know, we see these young male athletes, you know, they're very active all day long and then they get the COVID shot and suddenly they don't have enough breath to walk across the room. So we see great oh uh, contrast there. But but for more sedentary people, you might not see that contrast easily, you know, because of somebody that's kind of, you know, just kind of mm, not active. No, no load on the heart. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're not going to know the uh, medical profession will not notice it so much and attribute it to the COVID shot. They'll just say, oh, they're more tired than usual. Wow. Well, send that link and I will post the link to this episode in the description so people can look it up for themselves. And as always, Dr. Huber, I want to thank you for your, uh, your, your wisdom and your insight and your uh, courage to talk about things and you know, issues affecting Americans that most people will not talk about. So thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Rick. It was just a great pleasure to talk to you, as it always is. All right. Well, have a great weekend. You too. Thank you.